Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Meetings Concierge podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know to pull off a successful meeting. I'm Nancy Nachman, and I've been in the hospitality industry since 1981. After studying hospitality management in college, I went to work in sales for some of the world's finest hotel companies. While helping people plan their meetings, I realized my hotel insider knowledge and expertise was something I had to share with people who plan meetings. Hence, The Meetings Concierge was launched in 1994. I invite you to email meeting planning questions to me. My email address is nancy at meetingsconcierge.com. And I will be so very happy to provide answers to your questions and concerns. Share with me what went wrong at your last meeting and I'll help fix it so those troubles don't happen again. And now, let's begin. When contracting with a hotel for your meeting, you are able to add contract clauses to the agreement. We're going to talk about eight contract clauses that I call the must-haves that you will not see in the hotel contract when the hotel presents it to you. Why? Because these eight contract clauses are there to protect you further from all of the what ifs. The first contract clause that is an absolute must is no relocation. And no relocation means if the hotel is sold out, none of your guests will be relocated to another hotel. In hotel language or hotel jargon, we use the word walk, like we won't walk you. So if you hear that word or see it in a contract, don't don't put that word in the contract. Use no relocation so that everyone reviewing the contract at any time is completely clear about what this means. So you will want to add a no relocation clause in the contract that says, if the hotel is sold out, none of your guests will be relocated to another hotel. Now here's the caveat. There are occurrences from time to time when a hotel may not be able to offer every guest room that you have reserved in your room block and have a reservation attached to. And the reason for that is crazy things happen. For instance, a group comes in and three or four guests decide to stay a few days longer and they will not or they are not checking out. And hence now the hotel is sold out and they have no other rooms to offer. Sometimes there is an engineering or an electrical or a plumbing problem in a guest room, making that room out of order and therefore the hotel cannot offer that room to you, your guests for that particular evening. Sometimes people are in a hotel and they become ill and they're unable to leave. So there are a myriad of reasons that are legitimate that could make it impossible for a hotel to not relocate any of your guests 
So the first thing you want to always make sure is that you're in control of who is relocating to another hotel. If you find out from the hotel that this situation is going to occur, you will want to be the one in charge telling the hotel which of your guests they are allowed to relocate. Don't leave it up to the hotel to decide because it will end up being your CEO or your invited guest from another country, a dignitary. So make sure that you're in charge of who's going to be relocated to another hotel. And in the contract, under this no relocation clause, State there what the hotel will do for you if, in an unavoidable situation, they do have to relocate your guests. For example, complimentary transportation to and from the host hotel and the hotel that they are relocating your guests to. Complimentary room so that no one is paying for that guest room in that other hotel. Obviously, your host hotel would have to pick up that tab. Credit toward your master account. So, you know, you're responsible for so many rooms per night in your contract. And even though the hotel is relocating a guest or two or more, you want to make sure that the hotel credits your uh, contract or master account as if the guest was actually staying overnight in that host hotel. And then when the hotel opens up again and can bring your guest back, that that guest gets upgraded to a a fabulous suite and the hotel general manager makes an apology verbally or in writing to the uh, guest who was relocated and brought back to that hotel. The next one after no relocation is the no construction or renovation clause. The reason is because Hotels often have plans to go into a renovation or build a new tower and then all of a sudden there's construction or build a new pool or whatever they're they're doing. And sometimes when you're contracting, hotels are aware of upcoming construction and renovation and sometimes they are not aware. So it's very important to have in your contract a no construction or renovation clause so that if you contract with a hotel and then they announce to you that they are going to be uh, having a a new tower built or they're going to be uh, pulling out all of the bathrooms and renovating over, over the dates of your meeting and you find out that the noise and the dust is going to disturb your guests, you would be able to cancel that contract without any liability. So always have a no construction or no renovation clause in your contract. The third one is no change to meeting space. And what that means is when you have a contract from a hotel and in the contract there is an agenda of your meeting and banquet rooms. And by the way, in the contract, always make sure the hotel lists the name of the meeting space or the banquet room that you have uh, contracted for, because obviously you're going to be choosing an ideal room that is perfect for you and your eyes and the hotel agrees it's the right group room for your group. So make sure in the contract it states the name of your meeting and banquet space. And then the no change to meeting space clause says that no changes will be made 
to the meeting or banquet space without verbal and written approval by you or by organization or by the meeting planner. Because oftentimes, as I say in different podcasts about how planning a meeting is like putting a jigsaw puzzle together, hotels look at all of the clients who are going to be meeting in their hotel on any given day like a jigsaw puzzle. Who's going to fit into ballroom section A? Who's going to fit into ballroom section C? And they're constantly moving your meetings around to make sure that they maximize their meeting space and banquet space on a daily basis. It is a hotel's prerogative and job to fill every guest room and every meeting and banquet room every single day of the year. So to avoid being in a room that's too big for your group or too small for your group or no longer has the window that you were promised, make sure in your contract that you have a clause called no change to meeting space. And again, that clause would say, no changes will take place without verbal and written approval by you. The fourth one is no site inspections of your meeting space. And what that means is while you are having your meetings, you do not want sales managers from the hotel to show other customers your meeting space that you are sitting in at this moment. And yes, it happens. Doors get opened. It's just not a good idea. And If you do not put this in the contract so that there is something to protect you, it can and will happen frequently. So if a hotel is trying to show another customer meeting space that you're utilizing, they'll work with you because you will have this clause in the contract to determine at what day and what time is it all right for the hotel to show another customer the meeting space that you're using. Perhaps you're at lunch and you don't mind if they peek into your meeting space or Perhaps you do not want anybody to peek into your meeting space, even if you're not in the room at that moment. So having this no site inspections of your meeting space clause will protect this, protect you from having this happen to you. The fifth one is resell. And what resell means is you have a contract with a hotel and you promise them 50 rooms on a given night. And now you have arrived at the hotel and you only have 38 guest rooms. You have 12 guests that did not come for various reasons, and so now you are short. You're going to really be responsible for those 12 rooms you didn't need. Again, if you've blocked 50 rooms and only 38 guests arrive for your event, You owe the hotel money for those 12 rooms that you are not going to utilize when you get toward arrival day. And a resale clause would say at the cutoff date, and the cutoff date means 30 days prior to arrival when you have to give a rooming list to your hotel, telling them who's arriving by what day and, and, and departing on which day, you have up until 30 days prior to arrival to provide that list. Now you're providing a list and there's only 38 names on the list, not 50. 
The hotel will then do everything that they can to resell those 12 rooms so that you don't have to pay for them. And you have to work with a hotel with their reservations manager or front office manager and certainly your conference services manager to make sure that they all know that you have this resell clause in your contract. And every single day leading up to arrival day, you work with the hotel and ask them, what is your occupancy going to be? What is your occupancy going to be on these nights? So that you can know in advance if you are going to be paying for any of those rooms or if the hotel was able to resell those rooms. Now, here's the caveat to pay attention to about resell. What you have to be aware of is hotels will not agree to this clause unless it states that your 12 rooms, for example, are the last rooms the hotel has to sell. In other words, the hotel is at 92% occupancy, meaning they've got 12% rooms still available. And the hotel, if they're only going to be at 50% occupancy over your dates, probably will not agree to a resale clause. They will only agree to a resale clause if their hotel is going to be sold out. And again, your 12 rooms that you didn't need would be the last 12 rooms that the hotel has to sell before being sold out. So that's an interesting caveat, but always have a resale clause in your contract that states that after the cutoff date, when you've submitted your rooming list, if you haven't picked every room up, that you the hotel will do everything to resell the rooms you do not need so that you don't pay attrition. The sixth one is a rebook clause or rebooking clause, and that falls under cancellation. So for example, you cancel the meeting and you owe the hotel $50,000 in cancellation fees. A rebooking clause under this cancellation clause uh, contract area, you will be again adding this to the contract. These, These words, you will be asking the hotel to add to the contract a rebooking clause. So if you do cancel and you pay the hotel cancellation fees, you are able to use that money toward another meeting at the hotel. I recommend requesting that you are able to use cancellation fees up until one year from the date of the originally scheduled meeting. If you are canceling a meeting in January that is taking place in September, you would have until September of the following year to use cancellation fees toward a rebooked meeting. So again, that is a rebooking clause in the cancellation section of the contract that states that if you cancel, You will, of course, pay the hotel, that's a given, but you are able to use cancellation fees toward another meeting to take place within one year of the originally scheduled meeting dates. The seventh one is no competitors. 
The worst possible scenario is to arrive at a hotel for a meeting and find out that your direct competitor is also there for their national sales meeting. That could be and would be a nightmare. So you have to do your homework in the beginning. When you first start talking to a hotel about can they accommodate your meeting, you want to always ask them, are any of these companies who are your direct competitors, and you have to name them by name, already booked into your hotel over these dates. If they are, don't go to that hotel, go to another hotel. But when you're contracting, you want to make sure that the hotel does not accept a new meeting once your meeting is booked from any of your direct competitors. And again, you have to name them by name because hotels don't know who your direct competitors are and it's constantly changing. And To add a little bit more to this no competitors clause, you want to make sure your competitors are not meeting at the hotel at the same time as you. And you also want to make sure that your competitors are not there on a site inspection either. They don't need to be nosing around in your meeting space and seeing who's there and what you're doing. So I know it's a small little detail, But I'm telling you, if you are sitting in a hotel having your meeting and here comes the salesperson with somebody you may even know who is your counterpart at a direct competitor, they're coming to see a hotel for a meeting and here you are having your event, not good. And it happens. The the reason I'm sharing these, these stories is because I have seen it and heard it all. And this is just another extra step to protect you and make sure there are no surprises. So again, no competitors by name, making sure that they are not meeting at the hotel over your dates or they're on a site inspection. And the last one, number eight, is force majeure. And force majeure means like supreme force or or something that's unavoidable. And some contracts will not include a force majeure clause. And it's super important that you have this in your contract. Force majeure. What is something that could happen that is unavoidable? It's out of your control. For example, a health outbreak in the destination that you are headed to for your meeting Uh, weather. You know, weather could be affecting a destination that's out of your control. Um, War, an outbreak of a war, uh, either in the destination you're going to or possibly in a destination where you are bringing guests from to attend your meeting, and then they wouldn't be able to get out of where they are. And strikes is another example If there is a a transportation strike, whether it be airline or ground or housekeepers striking, garbage collectors striking, all of those things that are unavoidable and out of your control fall under force majeure. And what that means is if any of these unavoidable situations occur, that you have the right because of your contract and the force majeure clause to cancel the contract, cancel the meeting without liability. 
So remember these very important eight contract clauses that you will have to add to a hotel contract because they will not be in there provided by the hotel when you get the first draft of the contract. And don't worry that hotels are going to question you or wonder why you want this sort of thing. A good meeting planner is aware of these eight contract clauses and hotels are quite accustomed to having the customer make changes to the contract before you are both satisfied enough and ready to sign a mutual agreement. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Meetings Concierge podcast. I truly love sharing my knowledge and expertise about planning meetings. For more information about my complimentary service, or if I may answer any of your questions, send an email to me, nancy at meetingsconcierge.com. Until next time, bon voyage.